0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew.
1: I'm Zach. Welcome back.
0: I've got nothing. I like when that rhymes, with me. Yeah, I'm I'm
1: exactly. <laughs> I was going to come up with something, but I was like, no, I cannot think of anything that isn't borderline offensive. So I'm just going to let that
0: one go. That's a good place to be mentally. Yeah. Very good. How are you going? Good, man. Uh, I've started up uh, running again. So I had my first run last week after the marathon on Thursday. No. Yes. And I tell you what... Um, Last week was it was hard. Thursday was my first run. It was like just easy four miles. Saturday I went up and down Flinders Peak three times. Yep. Ninety minutes running, so, moving, moving. Yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, it took me only ninety minutes to get up and down three times, so I was doing all right. Yep. Um. I had an. It was funny. I had uh, an easy run on. What day is it right now? <laughs> It is Wednesday. Wednesday. So I had an easy run on Monday. So we're two and a half weeks since the Melbourne Marathon. And that was awful. Like my, it was awful. Like I couldn't get my heart rate below 155 mm. at like a 650 kilometer pace. Yeah. And then Tuesday I had a great workout. It was, uh, Kirk calls it a tighten the screws tempo and you start off. Just, this
1: is the one that you left me like a nine minute voice yeah, message. About. I was so
0: excited about yeah. it. I was excited about it. Like, You start off at one, just running at an easy but purposeful pace. And then every mile after that, you tighten it by 10 seconds Mm -hmm. until you can't go anymore. And I got 11 miles out of it. So about 17.7 kilometers. And I feel like I probably had another mile in there. I kind of, I feel like I left a little bit in the tank. Right. But I got down to faster than marathon pace. so It was just like a, you know, I I didn't know how long I was going to go, but. How is that not just a progression run? It, it, it kind of is, but... It's got a cooler name. But it's... Well, yeah. So the difference, I guess, between that and a progression run... A progression run, you have a set distance. Okay. And this one is just like you just keep going until you can't go anymore. Okay. I feel like I had 12 miles in there. and um, But I'm happy with that. Like 17... More than 17 and a half kilometers plus another mm-hmm. kilometer and a half cooldown... 11 days after no two and a half weeks after the marathon well, yeah
1: see so how long did you rest after the marathon
0: 10 days you took 10 days rest. Um, I did a little bit of lifting the um the toward the end of the week after the marathon but 10 days no running
1: okay I, I ran for the first time yesterday mm. uh so I took almost two and a half yeah, weeks off which is a long time yeah to not have an injury and take time off running
0: but you've been working hard as shit for the last like
1: Year. Yeah, so I I decided I deserved it. I just wanted to really get to a point where I felt like I wanted to run. And on Monday, I rode my bike to work and felt like every damn person was out running. Every single person on my way to work was out running. And I was like, that's it. I got to get back to running. Everyone's cool. back into it. Let's do it. And so I just went out yesterday, 7Ks, super easy. Uh, I ran with Daryl and we joked that it was basically four mile intervals yeah because we'd run for an interval and then we'd get stopped at a traffic light or someone would need to go to the toilet and our heart rate would come back down again and then we'd run for another mile or so so it was super chill super casual felt good to be back out there again like it's after a big event you yeah. need to get that desire
0: again and it kind of feels it kind of feels alien a little bit yes like the first run after a big break it's like forgotten how to do this it
1: took me 20 minutes to get ready for my run i can normally get up and out the door yeah. in like eight minutes it took me 20 minutes it was to a get ritual ready. it was a ritual yeah. that
0: first run i was like "All right, do i have everything Do mm. i have everything do I have it? Oh, no i don't have everything I was like forgetting stuff and it's like you just kind of like figure it out and then yeah it's i mean the body takes about up to a month after the marathon to really kind of get yeah recovered But kind of like the emotional, the mental aspect, like after the first few runs, I think you kind of get back into it. Yeah. I
1: think after the first couple of runs, that's when you just need to be super careful and not go too hard too quickly Mm because it still does take that. I mean, some logic says it's a day for every mile. So some people say it's 26 days before you've fully recovered from a marathon. It's different for every person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard uh, a day uh, for every mile after 20 miles, it's a day or two days or something. Mm. Uh, I've heard people just take a month off no matter what.
1: I've heard people say, why would you run a
0: marathon, you idiots?, uh, That's a lot. I've heard people say, if you keep running, you can sleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. I've heard lots of stuff. I've heard that yeah. too. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's different for everybody. I mean, the first marathon I ran, I PB'd my 5K a week later. Yep. I won't do that now. No, exactly right. Uh, because you
1: be pull something and hurt something. Exactly,
0: because yeah. we're smarter than that.
1: You pulled up okay from the marathon? Yeah,
0: everything's fine. Like, I mean, my right hip is and that's always been the problem area it's a bit it was a bit sorer than everything else like i could definitely feel that but like i mean i've been for i've been for a couple of 10ks and and 18 plus kilometer day and i haven't had any problems so Mm. yeah yeah okay i'm feeling good like i said on my easy runs the heart rate was running really high which was interesting but Yeah. yeah
1: Yeah, okay. I'm feeling my left plantar a little bit. Bummer. I feel like the injection I had about three months ago has worn off. And then just as it was wearing off, I went and ran a marathon. Yeah. And so at the plantar, I'm a little aware of it, but I'm not worried. Like, it's like a
0: one on the pain scale. So how how often are you supposed to get cortisone shots?
1: Well, apparently you're meant to get one. And then if everything goes perfect and your body strengthens itself, then that's it. That's all you need. For me, I'm thinking if I can get away with one a year... That would be great. Yeah. Um, two a year, because of the way, and we'll talk about this in a second, how mm. do you approach your year in terms of running and goals? Two a year would mean I'm doing two sort of major running event periods. Yep. One a year would mean I'd just keep it casual for the rest of the time and then get it probably two months out before an A race.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: But it depends on how many A races a year do you have.
0: Well, that's it. And I guess that's going to take us into our our topic today. So we're going to talk a little bit, folks, about how to plan for your race season, for your year. Uh, Because, you know, there's tons of races out there. There's tons of things that you can do. And here in Australia, we're kind of at the opposite end of the earth. And back in the northern hemisphere, they're kind of wrapping up their race season. And we're just about to get going in a couple months to Mm. start our race season, really. Uh, But that said, Australia's weather kind of is conducive to race season all year. You can
1: find somewhere in Australia to run at all times. Um, Especially if you like snakes and spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Saw my first snake um, of the season on Monday. Great. Riding home after all the rain we had. So excited. Yep. Looked Riding along. That's a shiny stick. That stick's moving.
0: That's not great. Mm. I hate snakes. I used to not have a problem, but then, you know, back when I was... 10 11 12 years old and i started to fall in love with the indiana jones franchise i think i just psyched myself out yeah so there you go uh so yeah so we're gonna talk a little bit about how we plan for races maybe what some of our goals are and how we uh put those into our uh into our planning and you know especially starting with you know you've just come off say if you've trained for a marathon you've just come off of a great training block you kind of want to build on that you don't want to let it go but you've got to be careful. You've got to recover, obviously. But if you're doing it right and smart, you don't have to lose anything. And every training block you do, you can build off the last one. So it's not like you're starting from uh, starting from scratch. And you use those metrics to learn. For me, you know, this last almost six months with Kirk, I'm learning that it's time to trust, like really trust the process, like mm-hmm all of my easy recovery slow runs were at a 650 or a seven minute kilometer, or that's about a 1050 to 11 minute mile. And that's including, that's including, you know, warm-ups and everything. So that's where I spent 80% of my time, right? Running really, really slow. And 20% was that quality work. And that allowed me to still average a 515 kilometer, about an 815 mile on marathon day. So for me, First thing I'm doing planning out for next season is like, okay, accept the fact that the process works. Yeah. <laughs> like 80-20 for me obviously works. You know, three years ago, you would have never been able to tell me or sell me on the idea that if I told you that 80% of the time you were going to run almost 11 minute miles, you could still run a marathon at an 8-15 minute mile. I would.
1: That's what comes with the difference between training for your first marathon and then looking at what's the next year going to be, or what's a race season going to be, is when you're doing your first marathon, you're like, well, I've got a 12- to 20-week training program. Do I know if this is going to work? If you're really disciplined, you follow the training program. If you're not disciplined, you don't. Once you've done a marathon or a couple of marathons or had a couple of race seasons under your belt, you learn what you said, which is trust the process. Mm. You know you can't rush it. You know all you can do is stuff up. uh, And you know how to build and be flexible with what you're doing. So... Yeah, definitely. The advantage of having done one marathon, cycle, or a couple of marathons is you can start to do long-range planning of six months, twelve months. Some people even plan like an eighteen months in advance yeah. for that key A race.
0: Yeah, hmm. yeah. And there's always, you know, at the end of the day, you want to you want to use that planning to make you better. Like I want to run my next marathon better. Uh, you know, the goal of any kind of um, distance runner, endurance runner, uh, speed runner, is to kind of be able to live in that uncomfort a little bit longer or to get your threshold pace to be a little bit faster. Like for me, my legs fell off at around the three-hour mark. Yep. That's when it started getting hard. Granted, there were inclines and blah, blah, blah. But really, with or without those inclines... That, After three hours
1: of running, it still hurts. You're tired. Yeah. So
0: what you want to do, you want to try to learn how to you know, live there at a faster pace and a more efficient pace and a more comfortable pace so that you can do that. Because my heart rate kind of went down the last 40 minutes. It was lower than it was in the first three hours, but I was working harder.
1: Maybe for you... This upcoming race season, it's do a three three and a half hour long run, but really wait until that three hour mark of the long run to kick it and run the last half an hour half. Yeah,
0: well that's and that's what we're going to start doing. We're actually going to start now. I've said this a few times before, but now I've gotten actual confirmation from Kirk is that we're going to really just start working on that speed mm. and that power, that efficiency at the you know he's like, you're not going to be able to do a faster marathon until you do faster five k's, and that's exactly. that's fair. Yeah, uh, so we're going to look at all that. And leading into our race season, so for me, I've got, right now, with potential to add more, I've officially signed up for, f- well, I haven't signed up for the Brimbank, because you can't yet, but yeah. I have five races officially on my calendar.
1: Yeah, I have five as well. What and do you have?
0: I've got um, the Sunset Series on February... That's three races. Oh, sorry, it's just the one. Oh, okay. Sunset... Matter of fact, I think. Yes, Uh, March 1st, which, uh, sorry, February 1st. I'm confused because Kirk's written this out and I think he's confused the dates, but it's fine. Sunset Zoo. Race okay, yeah, which I think why, is on.
1: Why pick the zoo race? That's the twistiest, most uncomfortable
0: one. It's also the flattest one that doesn't include Anderson Street Hill. But it's
1: this—it's potentially the trickiest, most technical of all of those sunset ones. What why not Princess Park? Princess Park's flat. I like this because that
0: one I came in top ten. Okay, so I want right. to come in better. All right, okay. Uh, and then I've got uh, the. Are mountain- you going to
1: do the other two in that series though? No. You're just going to do the one I'm just going to do the one. Okay, yeah.
0: all right. Uh, because, because that leads to the next... And that's an 8K event. That's an 8... Uh, no, that's a 4.75K event. Okay, yep. right.
1: And I keep interrupting you. Yes, right. That's okay. Uh, you like it when I do that. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew sent me an aggressive voicemail about this a couple of weeks ago, saying every time I got into my flow on the last damn podcast, you interrupted me. And then he sent me a very aggressive gift. So um, I'm taking the opportunity just to twist the knife now, dear listener. It was
0: pretty funny. Like, I was listening, was it our marathon episode? Yeah. It was just funny. It was like every time I'd get into my pacing, Zach's like saying something. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Sometimes
1: it's <laughs> constructive, sometimes it's just to fuck with you. It's, yeah.
0: it's never constructive.
1: It's always constructive. The listeners like it's it. It's constructively something. That's where the entertainment comes. Otherwise, we're just a TED talk.
0: Are we entertaining? I don't know. No, I don't think we are. Twelve listeners, tell us. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so after that, <laughs> about three weeks after that, I have the Spartan Sprint. Okay. That's at Mount Um uh, That's... Hilly. Mm-hmm. That will be hilly. Indeed. So <clears throat> that is probably going to be equivalent to at least, I don't know, I'm going to say maybe uh, eight to 1,000 meters of elevation. Hmm. Mm maybe a little bit less. I'm going to say it's about right. Uh, I've got to look at Bright again because it's probably going to be comparable to that. And that's going to be my first A race. Okay. Right? So then I've got, a month later, Brimbank. Okay. 50K. Just
1: fun-ish.
0: Yep. I thought we were going to go for a PB. We're going to go for a PB. Yeah. But I think... It's a very achievable It's chi- I think it's achie- yeah. achievable for us. Yep. Um, I, and It's not necessarily an A race. Like, if I don't hit sub five hours, I'm not going to... Okay. I'm not gonna like be really upset, but at the same time, I'll I'll work for it.
1: It's good to know that because that will inform my races when we get to mine.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's back in July, we're at the Run Melbourne. That's a half, mm-hmm. and that's I'm gonna treat that very much like I did this year, where it's just kind of like we're uh, seeing where I'm at. You know, like I I did that one this year at 145, and then I did the first half of the Melbourne Marathon at 144. So there was improvement there. Yeah. And then my second A-race, so out of five races that I have on the calendar, and I might add a sixth or a seventh, but I won't have more than two A-races. My second A-race and my final A-race of the year will be back in October, that's the ninth, the Melbourne Marathon again. Cool. Come full circle.
1: Okay, and so the spacing out of that is about a race every month?
0: Uh, So there's a race about, yeah, I think every month, February, two in February, one in March, and then nothing until July, and then nothing to October. So
1: okay,
0: yeah, and that makes the two in February. But that make means
1: you've the... got an opportunity to do a couple of blocks of six, eight, ten weeks yeah. without distracting yourself exactly. with a race. And
0: that's kind of why we did that. So basically, right now I'm looking at that, and Kirk is looking at that, and we're kind of forming. So okay, my first A race is the Spartan. So that's obviously a technical, hilly, obstacles. So there's a lot of a lot of my. Workouts for the next few weeks. He's already sent me my next month of training. It's going to be a lot of hill repeats. Uh, Well, not a lot, but more than there was. Uh, There will be more long runs on the technical terrain. There's there's one that he's just like, you know, it's going to be tighten the screws type thing where you find a hill that you run up, run it slowly, run down, and then keep getting faster every time you run up until you can't anymore. Uh, There's workouts where he wants me to really bomb descents down. And so that'll be that, right? We'll we'll, we'll work on the 5K time as well. A lot of speed stuff is coming in. Uh, And then, you know, we'll just kind of work on the engine a little bit for the next couple races. And then we'll get back into uh, marathon speed type stuff. But, you know, there's going to be a lot in there that's going to help me correlate between trail running, long running to faster times. Lead up to ultimately, hopefully, a PB at the Melbourne Marathon in October again. So,
1: in terms of the Spartan event and training for that, because that is more than just running. Yeah. Where does Kurt stand on that? Like, he'll obviously be able to coach you on the running type stuff. Yeah, in and terms he's, of hey, I'm gonna have to do chin ups and pull ups. And well, he's fingers. also the
0: good thing about Kirk is he's 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 also a, he's a Spartan athlete. Oh, okay. So cool. he's he's he was or is on the Spartan Pro team. So, like, he knows his stuff there. Uh, I think we're gonna focus on the running anyway, just because. I've never really had a problem with the obstacles. It's more the running that I want to improve. But that said, he'll probably throw in some kind of work Because you there. did a
1: lot of training for the Bright Beast, yeah. where yeah. you did a whole bunch of obstacle training as well as well as your running. So yeah, you kind of trained 50% both.
0: Exactly. Whereas this
1: one, because it's just a sprint, you're thinking you'll just be able to concentrate on the running for speed. I think so. Yeah, I think
0: mm-hmm. so. I mean, I want to work on my grip stuff and my, like, my swinging stuff to make sure that I, can, I, I still have the strength to do yeah. that. But, yeah, uh, it'll be mostly, I think, the running and the terrain stuff. And and with this schedule, it's like I've got two A-races, and they're very different A-races, so they are spaced out. So Mm. the thing about, I have found, for planning for a race season is you kind of can't do everything. Yeah, Like, you can have a couple of different A-races, but you can't get better at everything in one year. It's just not going to happen. Like, sure, I'm going to go for a fast 5K in the beginning of the year, but I can't focus on that the whole time, and I can't, I can't expect to PB my 5K, my 10K, my mile, everything, my Spartans, my marathon. So we picked two that we're just looking at really improving. So really, we're looking at improving my 5K and my marathon, but spaced out between what's eight months. Yeah, there's
1: like two cycles there. There's now where we are in October to March Mm. to, you know concentrate on your 5k and then once you've got that really fast 5k done then it's like now you just start extending the
0: long run that's and, it yeah and then and the great thing about the run melbourne half is that it's just like it just kind of it works us into a really great cycle where from there it's just like all right well 12 months until no uh, yeah 12 12 weeks until until melbourne and so when you're when you're kind of you know getting your race seasons ready when you're getting your races ready you've got to keep that in mind Is that you can race as much as you want, but don't expect to race every race as a PB. Like, mm. I'm not worried about the Brimbank, the Sunset, or the Run Melbourne. Like, Do I want to run them fast? Absolutely. Do I hope to run them fast? Yes. Do I expect to PB them? Absolutely. But I'm not placing so much importance on them that I lose track of what my main goals are, Yeah. which is ultimately... A fast marathon and a fast five k. You
1: you you think that you'll do well in those races because on the path you need to get to to do a fast Melbourne, you should be at a point by that race where you are able to, to perform very well and do fast. Mm. But what you're not going to do is try and bring forward your a goal. No, two months and do a you know a half marathon that's comparable to doing a super fast marathon. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Like I, if I want to run, say, if I want to run a three twenty marathon, mm. I have to be able to run a one forty marathon half. Uh, Half marathon, thank you. But I'm not going to push myself so hard that that compromises everything leading up. Because, believe it or not, if you push yourself too hard, 12 weeks ain't going to be enough. Because if you injure yourself, you're just screwed. Like, I mean, running fast and fast and fast and volume and volume and volume is great. But if you injure yourself... Like, if you're somebody who's like, I'm going to run like a 100 mile a week, great. But if you injure yourself and then you can't follow a 100 mile a week with anything... You just wasted that, yeah. So,
1: and that's the danger of putting races into your training plan mm. and using them as long runs uh, and because subs- yeah, they races come with extra pressure. It doesn't matter how casual you are about it. When you get into the race, you're like, "This is a race. I've got a bib on the front of me. There's a timing chip. It just naturally creeps in. Unless you know, some people are extremely mature and compartmentalize that stuff and not let it bother them. I'm not one of those people. Either. If I get a bib on, I'm like, okay, well, now I need to try and do something. So, yeah. yeah.
0: It's a a dangerous game we play. Yeah.
1: So it's interesting. Your plan for next year is very similar to what my plan was going to be. So I was going to concentrate on speed Mm. for the first three to four months. Speed and, and general strength training just to try and build the body up. And then once we got into fall and winter, I was going to concentrate then on extending the long runs. And then as we get closer to sort of Melbourne in October, I was going to up the speed runs, the tempo runs, you know, try and bring together the speed work and the endurance and and have that with a lot of runs at, at, you know, 30-kilometer runs at close to race pace to Mm. really feel comfortable with that. Um, That was the plan. I think the plan lasted about a week um,
0: (laughs) before... You know, it usually does. Like, it's funny, after... After you do the marathon, you've got all these delusions of grandeur about how you want to improve your marathon because it's exciting. You're still excited about it. And then a week or two later, you're like, okay.
1: Well, then you start talking to people. And so I had this very structured view of, right, I'm going to do this and this. So this quarter is all going to be about this. And within this quarter, each month is going to be about this. and Mm. Within each month, each week is going to be about this. And so I was breaking it down at that level. And I had built a bit of a what I think is a pretty good plan to get to... Melbourne Marathon in October. But then I started looking at where the actual races I want to do fall in. And that wasn't compatible. Yeah. Because I want to do what I'm calling March Madness. Which is in the month of March next year, I'm going to do Warburton again. Which is a 50k trail run. Okay. A week later, we're going to do Brimbank. Which is a 50k trail run. And then a week after that, I'm going to do Oxfam. Which is a 100k run. So I'm going to do those three races within 12 days. Yeah. each other. Wow. So that's not really conducive to me spending the next four months doing speed work. Mm. I can't do 200 kilometers in 12 days across three events in four months' time if I spend the next four months doing speed work. I've got to do longer endurance stuff for the next four months to be ready for that. So now it's going to be about, yeah, strength and building the body up and building the injury prevention, but not worrying that much about speed work. There will be interval work and speed work. You know, Once a week, I'll try and go out and do a fast park run. I'll go to the track at least once a week and do some interval work, but I'm not going to be trying to get my 20k work time down into you know the sub 21 minute range. Yeah. I'll probably keep my 5K's at around about 22 and a half, but concentrate on getting some good long runs in there, concentrate on hill work, concentrate on like a really solid base. Yeah. And then once I clear March and I have a little bit of a break, come April, May, that will then start the build to October. And at that point, I'll need to look at, well, where has my speed gotten to? naturally? Do I need to throw more speed work in there? But I'll already have a really, really good long run base. So I can see myself, again, doing interval work to stay sharp, but really doing what you're talking about in terms of the progression runs, the tempo runs, yep. doing a lot of those in that 8 to 15 kilometer range yeah, and, and doing that to try and keep the speed up.
0: And that's kind of, that's exactly like, that's mm-hmm. a kind of prime example of you cannot do everything at once. Like no. Zach is going to do three ultras in less than three weeks well less than two weeks and mm. uh, so yeah you can't you can't concentrate if you want to be an ultra runner and that's what you want to do throughout the year you can't concentrate on your 5k like you just can't unless yes you do it in the beginning of the year and it's like all right well now that this is done i've got um like six or seven months before my next you know marathon where I, now i can work on speed so it's like you can't, you can't kind of do it all. If Zach just works on speed, 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 yeah, he could probably get away with doing one of those ultras. Like me, like I'm only gonna do the one ultra, and it's the Brimbank. So it's got 800 meters in the whole thing of elevation. So it's very much
1: Warburton a, has 800 meters in one hill.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like a very urban, ro- basically paved. I can get away with doing the 50k there. Because it's kind of not really a real ultra; it's more just like a, it's like a beginner's ultra. It's like, see, I'm
1: worried about Brimbank because we want to go sub five, and I've never gone sub five there. And so, mm-hmm. doing Warburton a week before, I'm worried about how fast do I go at Warburton so that I'm ready to go at Brimbank um, a week
0: later. And see, that's and there you go. So that's that's another thing is you've if you've got a race where you want a PP, you kind of got to you got to look at all your races and be like. Do I wanna? Do I want this to just be a fun run, or do mm. I want to PB everything? And if I want to PB Warburton, can I PB Brimbank? What's more important to me? Correct. And yeah. so right now,
1: I think PBing Brimbank for me—I think be, that's kind of your nemesis—would be more important yeah. than doing Warburton well. So I'm thinking Warburton will be because I'll be doing Warburton with a bunch of guys who'll be doing Oxfam with yep. me. So I figure Warburton will just be like a paced event where last year I went. 550 something this year, I'd be more 630 to seven hours. Yeah. Take it easier, keep something in the legs yep. for us to go around. Brimbank. I mean, to do brimbank in sub five hours, I'm going to want to be us, I'm going to want to be targeting like a 450 pace. Yeah, to know that we've got 10 minutes in yeah. the bank, so we're going to have to work around that. And then I've got a week until Oxfam, but Oxfam. I, by that stage the body will be in like active recovery mode where it'll be like okay I guess we're just running non-stop. Yeah. And so unless I injure myself I know my body will bounce back and adapt. The second I've done Oxfam I'm taking like 3 weeks off. Good cuz I'm planning for that cuz I know last week last year I didn't realize how bad Oxfam was going to be and I had to take 3 weeks off anyway. Yeah. So this time I'm definitely planning it in and doing a break and then then restart. The problem with my run to uh to Melbourne in October is Normally, I would have targeted you know, six or seven weeks out from Melbourne. I would have said, right, I'm going to go do the Ballerine Rail Trail run, Mm. which is 34 kilometers. I will do that at race pace, so to speak, to really measure myself and see where I'm going. And that might still be the plan, but I've also signed up for the Sydney Marathon, which is in the middle of September.
0: God damn it, Zach.
1: Yeah, and because they had a wonderful deal where they were... Normally, one hundred and eighty-five dollars to do this event. It was forty-two dollars twenty. That's crazy. I
0: wish the Melbourne Marathon did that. It was brilliant. It's <clears> less <throat>
1: than a haircut. So now <laughs> it really is. Yeah, so now, five weeks out from Melbourne, I'm going to be in Sydney running a Melbourne running a marathon. Um, what's the What's the Sydney course like? I haven't even checked the course. Okay, I didn't even bother. I just signed up.
0: So okay. So how how uh, that's how, when?
1: Five weeks before Melbourne. Okay. So, so it'll have if if we're gonna PB Melbourne, if we're gonna race Melbourne, you and I, and we're gonna say right, the three twenty pacer is the the rabbit. Yeah, let's chase him and see how we go. I'm gonna have to take it very easy at Sydney, but we, at the same time, if I'm gonna run three twenty in Melbourne, five weeks later, I need to be getting around city comfortably in like a sub four.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because you're somebody who you you're comfortable running a full marathon distance in training. Yes. Do you think...
1: I would not recommend it for someone on their no, first... but you, you know your
0: body really well. Yeah. Do you think that running sub-4 hours at Sydney would be too fast? Well, sub-4 hours... Because you're working.
1: Sub-4 hours in Sydney, you're running a 5-minute 40 yes. pace. If we're going to do 320 in Melbourne, we're running a four forty something pace.
0: Yeah, but what I mean... So, so like, it's a minute slower. Do you think, though... <laughs> Do you think that'll give you enough time to recover?
1: Well, that's that's what I need to work out over the next
0: year. I mean, yeah, because got I guess... have 11 months to figure I it guess, out. I guess, yeah, because I guess the thing to think about there is... So, it's taken you almost three weeks to go on your first run. Not saying that you're not fully yeah. recovered, but you're also going to be... And that's after a 3.42? Yeah. No, no 3.48. You were 3.42. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, but... And so you've needed that time.
1: Mm. So maybe a 4.30 would be better for Sydney. But
0: you'll also be a different athlete then.
1: Exactly. So it's kind of
0: like you've got to, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like if you're going to run, like, because the other problem is is that, and as we know, the difference between, like I've done 300 kilometer events. The one that hurt me the most was the slowest one that took the longest. The other 100 kilometer events I've done, I recovered so much better after them. So, I'm also a little concerned about being out on my feet too long in Sydney.
0: That's a good so point. So, it's like... Yeah,
1: that's what a good point. The,
0: the easiest
1: marathon is the fastest marathon.
0: That is a good point. Mm. Um, so, there's a real balance there. That's a
1: tough one. Yeah. I don't want to make Sydney my A race. Right. So, I don't want to try and make Sydney, Sydney my A race. I want to make Melbourne my A race because I think that just... It's just fitting yeah. if you try and do that in your local
0: race. It's kind of like, yeah. It's, Sydney, I think, is just going to be a fun... You know, because you haven't done it yet, and it is a big marathon. And well, it could be it's an getting habit. bigger, bigger. Yeah. I mean, it's not as big as the Melbourne yet, but yeah. it is going to be. Uh, I think.
1: I think this year will be massive because the number of people who were signing up, from what I could tell. Well,
0: I mean, for forty two twenty. By the way, if you don't get it, forty two point two. Everybody, <laughs> um, I can't imagine that they didn't have just off that, like a thousand two thousand oh, people signing at it.
1: least i'd say for sure i mean i mean it's going to cost me still 600 bucks to fly there get accommodation and all yeah, that sort of stuff that's good so point. it's still not a cheap weekend no
0: i mean mm-hmm. that's the thing races aren't like two of my races right now i have gotten so i've gotten accommodation for mount baba i've already booked my accommodation for run melbourne mm-hmm. um racing is expensive you know it's funny like everybody's like oh running's the cheapest thing you can do oh, but is it is it is it is it because not really you got to buy you know, two hundred dollars shoes, a hundred dollar you know uh, racing outfit, and then your and that's cheap. Yeah, exactly. And then your gels, and then your music, and your headphones, and this and that, and your four hundred dollar watch. And shoes wear out. It's shoes wear out. Uh, you got a hundred and thirty dollar heart rate monitor, and then you got race fees, and then well, you've got.
1: We'll uh, spend a thousand dollars on race fees next year. Between the five events, it'll be close to $1,000. I've spent, yeah, I've yeah. spent,
0: uh, how much? Just on the goddamn Spartan. Spartan's gotten so expensive in their stupid Unbreakable series. Race a bunch of times. You've only got three races in Australia, Spartan. So uh, let's like are get Are they still on sponsoring us? No. Oh, okay. Uh, but they're not sponsoring anybody. The so, truth comes out. Yeah, the Superman discount code doesn't work anymore. <laughs> they're all about the Unbreakable Pass. But it was like, so I signed up myself for the sprint. It was like, it came, it was like overall $130 for a 5K. Mm. Uh, and then I signed up um, Olivia, who's going to do the kids' event. And that was like 50 bucks, whatever. 50 bucks for a kids' event? Uh, no, I, th- I think it was more like $30. Okay. Uh, but, you know, what with the insurance, it comes to 40 something And then, yeah, I think Run Melbourne was... How much was Run Melbourne? I don't know. Something. Uh, the zoo was only 50 bucks. It adds up. It does, though. It really adds yeah. up. I mean, yeah. and Melbourne Marathon's always expensive. So like, I think... The, the early bird is like 125 or yeah. something. Yeah.
1: So I guess what we've both done is with our long-range planning for the next 12 months or so, it kind of feels like that there's eight solid months of really structured training leading up to events. Mm. Um, and then there's a little bit of wiggle room there in the middle coming out of March, having a bit of a break, and then getting back into it. Maybe, maybe like we've got four months now or so until March. Then it feels like we'll have maybe five months or so until October. So two really solid long trading blocks. We're, we're not shortchanging it. We're not doing 12-week marathon no. stages here. We're doing 20, 24-week marathons. No, schedules.
0: and that's kind of like everything that you're doing is leading up to your A races. Yeah. Everything I'm doing right now until... February is leading up to an A race, everything, and, and, and also helping me prepare for that second A race in October. So it's like, you're building on everything. And there are going to be times when you're just like, ah, what do I need to do here? Like Zach in a Sydney marathon, five weeks out Mm -hmm. from Melbourne, he's going to have to figure that out. Uh,
1: And we're we're thinking about it 11 months in advance. And so I think the big tip for listeners, when you've got the opportunity to do long range planning what you shouldn't do is sit there and go oh well it only takes 12 weeks to plan for a marathon so I'm gonna sit there and I'll worry about the October marathon at the start of August yeah. no you've got the advantage mm. now 11 months out you've got the advantage to say right I can start in May yeah and give myself an extra two months
0: and you and, I mean you can complete a marathon with eight mm. to 12 weeks of training absolutely I did it for my first one uh, you can do it but if you want to race the hell out of it yeah. If you want to be
1: confident, if you want to have flexibility, if you want to have a you know an ability to um, move stuff around and have something happen, like it absorb an injury, like it just gives you so much more contingency. What you need to be careful. Like Andrew said in the past, is not go. Oh, I've got five months now to train for this marathon. I'm just going to load up in the first three months and then try and hold my peak for two months. Because that won't work either.
0: Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, you, you don't want to train for one event for too long. No. Like, build your aerobic engine, build that build that capacity. Absolutely. But, you know, if if you're not training for a longer than a half marathon, don't be doing three and a half, four hour yeah. long runs every week. You just yeah. don't you just don't need to. Do like,
1: that. if I'm looking at the October marathon, that is five six week cycles. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about the six week cycle of build up and then deload then you can work backwards from that October marathon and go, right, I can do five of those. What you don't need to do in that first five-week cycle is build up to a point where you're doing mid-30-kilometer long runs mm. at race pace. No. You can concentrate, you can break each of those cycles down into smaller goals, but you've got the ability 12 months out to do that with perspective, perspective mm. versus if you wait until five months out to try and plan it, you've you've lost it all. You know, Just an hour now will save you many minutes off your marathon time in the future.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So what is your what is your next, say, six weeks of training? Okay? So my
1: next six weeks of training is going to be focused on um, getting back into a, a running routine yep. in a way that doesn't risk any injury to the plantar or my hamstrings or stuff like that. And that means I'm going to be concentrating on Short, easy runs. You know, um, I'll probably only do speed work at park run or the track. Yep. Um, I won't do any speed work on pavement or anything like that. Um, I can't see myself doing a lot of technical trail running. Mm. Um, I won't probably go more than fourteen, maybe twenty kilometers on long runs. Next six weeks or so, I might not go past fourteen k's yep. on a, on a Sunday long run. Um, But I will be diligent on the routine. So if I can't do a Sunday long run, I'll do it on Saturday. Um, I'll try and maintain a a five-day-a-week training cadence of anywhere between 7 to 10 kilometers on average. So, you know, 40 to 50 kilometer weeks. But really get back into strength training. So I've gotten back into the habit of before I ride my bikes to work in the morning or before I do a run in the morning... I do 10 to 15 minutes of strength training. Mm. Just one basic body part, but concentrate on doing it properly because I just don't have the time to find two or three 45, 50-minute sessions a week.
0: That's a good thing about working at a gym.
1: Exactly. Mm. I find that I can squeeze 10 minutes in as my warm-up before a bike ride and a run. Yep. And I've just got to make sure I, I do the exercises properly. When and I
0: that's that. and that's a good point, like especially with strength training. I was talking about this with, with Dean, actually, yeah. uh, you because know, we're, we're working on his... He's got very limited time now, and so I put him on... Uh, uh, a bit of a plan and I said to him look we're gonna we're gonna work some things into this but what you what you can do like if you don't have a lot of time for strength training like of course you want to strength train but use your warm up like use your warm ups for your run Mm -hmm. do some plyometric work do some you know body weight work it's kind of like I, I said to him it's kind of like sneaking vegetables into your favorite meal it's like you're getting that work without actually having to make a separate sort of um uh, day for it or time for it, is it going to be as beneficial as, as setting out a specific workout? Maybe not, but it's certainly going to be better than nothing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And you definitely get, you will get benefits from it. So, you know, that's the other thing about planning out your year is you've got to figure out what is realistic for you. So for me, I work at a gym. I work at two. Uh, I, I can work out on a daily basis, strength training wise. It's that's how I do. And I can put specific run workouts strength training wise into my day because I'm there. Zach doesn't have that luxury, so he's gotta, you know, sneak the veggies into his favorite meal as it yeah. were. So well
1: I use, that's why I use bike riding mm. for commute as both my strength training for my legs and active recovery. So, you know, the the bike riding definitely builds the quads up and the glutes and all that sort of stuff. You've got to be careful that running and bike riding whilst they're very complementary they don't hit every single muscle group so there's a couple of exercises I need to do in my strength training just to make sure I'm getting those joining um, ligaments and stuff done hmm. but I like riding my bike to work I like um, I love riding to work in the morning riding home from work whilst often you're tired it's a great way to unwind yeah and it means by the time you get home you've got no interest in looking at work at all so you can concentrate more on the family and what I also find is that if I wasn't bike riding to work, I probably wouldn't be doing the strength training. Like I'd be sleeping in. Bike riding means that the other five days a week, I'm like, okay, well, I need to go running because I'm meant to be a runner. If I can make one of those five days a week park run, well, there's a social aspect there, which is good. If I can do one of those events, be um, hill work or track work, there's another two social events there. A long run with a group, there's another one. Squeeze in one run by myself or even run with Daryl. Next thing you know, I've got a reason for each of those five days to get up and do it. And my, my attitude over the next six weeks or so is probably going to be, I'll plan to do some sort of active workout, be it running or commuting every day, Yep. knowing that things are going to happen, like Melbourne weather is so unpredictable right now. Oh, you could just lose two days and not be able to do anything. But that's okay, mm. because I'll just treat that as organic rest. Yep. And if I reach a point where, oh my God, I've had 20, 22, 24 days nonstop of exercise, well then I'll know to take a rest but i i think life will get in the way
0: it does yeah. it does we can't all hit i mean we can't all hit every workout as long as we're hitting most of them like like i said i'm i'm in the lucky minority that i work at a place that it's pretty much conducive of me hitting every workout yeah. i my my role is autonomous i can get out and do what i need to do but we don't all have that so i mean i guess i should be a better athlete really <laughs>
1: You've got no excuse. I've got no
0: excuse. Uh, but yeah, so... I'm I mean, also going to
1: focus on nutrition. Yeah. Because we're leading into the holiday season. That,
0: that, I mean, that's a good mm. point. I've actually, since the run Melbourne, I've lost six kilograms. You do look lighter. Thank you. Yeah. I feel lighter. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get down to at least 80. Yeah. Like, and I'm trying... I don't advocate for doing this, but I'm trying to do it now fast. Mm. Like, this is something, again, Kirk and I discussed... Like, I want to get it out of the way rather than trying to worry about it later. So if I get to 80 now or, you know, sooner rather than later, I can get acclimated to that. And, you know, again, sensitive area, maybe a hot take. But if you can lose a couple kgs, depending on your health, it's going to help your running economy. But I'll say that don't take that too far one way. And if you want to lose some weight, Mm -hmm. look at Talking to a doctor because that's not always going to help.
1: No, weight loss will not compensate for a regular training routine, right? And strength training right. and flexibility. Like you know, it's not the
0: magic elixir. No, but it, it will. Good nutrition, yeah, will do well for you for recovery. But don't confuse good nutrition with weight loss. Yeah,
1: um, I, I do want to again try and bring my running weight down a little bit because. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll be better for my planter yeah. if I've got a little bit yeah. less weight on it. So, you know, if you can take, you know, what's your body weight? 10 times as much force? Something like that. Or something yeah. like that. When you run, well, if I can reduce that, that'll be important. Well, it's it's mm.
0: funny. After the half, so I raced the half at 90 kilograms, and that was an hour and 45. And I felt like I was pushing really hard, mm. like not really, like just, you know, uncomfortably hard for the whole time. And my joints, at, like immediately after, were just like, especially my feet, like I felt like I was carrying a lot of weight. Yeah. After the full, like, yes, I was sore as soon as I stopped, but in a different way. It wasn't like I was carrying a lot of weight. It was just, I just ran. So that five kilogram difference really, really made a difference.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's one. And I also think it's just a little bit of... Coming into holiday season, mm. there's going to be so many occasions and events where, like, you can indulge. Yeah. And what you got to be careful is that indulging doesn't turn like you can indulge between work dues and a Friday night do, and then catching up with someone on the weekend. You can be indulging three times a week yeah. during the month of December. Try and, not to. Yeah, just got to be disciplined and tight on that. So it's more awareness. Again, it's not so much about you know trying to. It's, it's, it's heading in the right direction yeah. and not heading in the wrong direction.
0: Exactly. Mm. It's like you've got to kind of, if you're going to do this thing, you've got to weigh it out. Like what's more important to you, having that extra slice mm. of cake or that race that you have next week? Because that mm. extra slice of cake may not feel like it's going to make a difference, but it might. Mm. Um,
1: and doing it 11 months out again from your A-race is a lot easier than trying to do it 11 weeks yeah. out. Exactly. Which again, we come back to long run. Take advantage of the perspective that long-range planning lets you do. Eat all your cake now. But that's the danger with that. Is like I find that um, after the marathon, I'm like, okay, cool, I've, I've done the marathon now. I can have my recovery thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you've done six or seven recovery days, yeah. and it's like, oh, maybe I do need to tighten
0: up. I will say, so the magic rule that I try to live by and that I advocate for is, if you're going to indulge, ladies and gentlemen, don't do it two days in a row. Mm, yeah. You know, have your have your cheat, have your recovery, have your day, but after that. You know, have you? Because every look, if you're if you're trying to get fit or losing weight, every cheat day you have will set you back a week. Yeah. Depending on what you do.
1: One of my nutrition things that I've changed is I was finding when I was going to work lately because it's a rare thing and going when to you work? go well going to work oh, in the city. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so, so going into the city, so going to work in the city, I was riding my bike in. So there's obviously the commute, everything. You're seeing people there. Next thing you know. You're having breakfast out yeah. and lunch out. Yeah. It's costing a lot of money. Yeah. And it's also, when you add it up, it's a lot more, those meals that you buy when you go out are a lot more than you would make yourself. So now I'm in the habit of, you know what, if someone invites me out for lunch or that happens as part of me going there, that's cool. But the rest of the time, I'm going to take some porridge and granola and I'm going to have breakfast and I'm going to take a sandwich and do that. Mm. And I found that just in the last two weeks or so, that's already made a bit of a benefit yeah. where, you know, you get to the end of the day and you're not like, oh my God, I can't believe I had a muffin and a chicken schnitzel focaccia and two coffees. And and it, it, it adds, adds up. up.
0: It absolutely adds up. I was talking to one of my clients, one of my in-person clients at the gym the other day, and he's trying to lose some weight. And he said, you know, or I asked him, I said, track all your food for the next week because I'm curious. Because uh, I don't generally give out nutrition plans, but I give advice on how to cut out low-hanging fruit, that sort of thing. And so I said to him, track all your food. All right. And so he did, and the next week we looked at it, and it was like 2,000 calories. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense, because you're telling me you're eating this much, but you're still, for your size, you should be, if that's what you're doing every day, you should be well on your way. What didn't you put there? And, you know, the truth comes out when you start analyzing it. Oh, that handful of peanuts. Oh, well, that handful of peanuts, dude, that's 300 calories. Mm. Uh, You know, you don't get a lot of bang for your buck with peanuts or almonds or cashews. They're healthy, yes. But he was telling me that he puts so much of it into his breakfast and this, and I'm like, dude, I've already found another five or 600 calories mm. that you didn't account for, and that's not accounting, and that's not talking about anything else that you haven't told me about yet. So you are probably over 3,000 calories, and you're not doing the energy output to deal with that. So it's like you've got to kind of be honest with yourself, look at your nutrition, figure out... Honestly, what that means, go get an app like My Fitness Pal and put every goddamn thing that you put into your mouth for a week, like I'm talking everything, even if it's a block of chocolate, like a small block of chocolate, because that stuff adds up, and find out what you're eating a day, and then... Yeah. go from there because
1: the second you start not recording one of those things very quickly it starts you're not recording multiple things and then you're not recording days yeah. and next thing you know you're not recording anything and if you're not recording and you're not tracking and you're not measuring how can you determine improvement
0: you just can't you yeah. you, you you look at your running metrics like yes you like it's a it's a it's like a it's like a Bible or something mm. you just look at it like it's the most important thing in the world you've got to do the same thing for everything else with your progress uh, progressive overload in the gym with your nutrition. We are we are on a tangent. We started out with planning for the race year, and now we're on to like...
1: Well, yeah, I think there's, you know, for some people, planning for an A race 10 months, 11 months, six months from now. There's a lot that goes into um, it. There's a lot that goes into it. There's, um, you know, before we jumped on air, we were talking about shoes. And I was like, oh, All yeah. I'd like to buy a pair of these Alpha Flies, but I don't have anywhere to race in them over the next four months or so. So what do I do with them? And you can't buy shoes and not wear them. That's stupid. That's silly. Um, and so... You know, I'm thinking about equipment. So, you know, in long-range planning, once you've... Again, once you've done this a couple of times, take the benefit of the experience and think about all the things that you worried about or that went wrong or that weren't optimal in your last day race and pick something far enough in the future that you can have multiple cycles of getting ready for it. Um,
0: Much like races, you can't plan for every type of race... Mm -hmm. The things that went wrong, you can't fix it all. No. but and new things will go wrong on the day, exactly. like weather,
1: like injury. Like fix
0: one thing every time yeah. you race and you'll be a better athlete. Exactly. And you'll be able to focus on the next thing that comes up because something will always come up yeah. all the time. It's great. Running sucks. Yeah,
1: It takes time. And so I think the tip for how do you, if, if you sit there and you go, okay, well, you're talking about a whole bunch of stuff, Andrew and Zach, you always do that. But practically, what do I do with it? I think there's start with, like we talked about, pick your races for the year that you want to go after. Mm -hmm. If you can enter them to give yourself that commitment, great, good on you. Even if you just... And I am a big fan of booking a race early and paying the money because it forces you to commit more. I've often found when I've targeted a race but not paid for it, my starting of my training block slips and next thing you know, an opportunity to do 24 weeks of training turns into 12 weeks of training. So I would recommend if you can financially afford it, commit to the event, and then work backwards from that event and do the basic six-week cycle. Okay, go back six weeks, then go back another six weeks, and then try and give those six-week cycles a purpose and try and get better at one thing um, in that six-week cycle. If you do that for even one A race that's far enough in the future, you'll benefit from then just trying to rock up and do it.
0: I think you summarized everything in that one kind of... Sol- soliloquy. soliloquy there mm-hmm. so i don't have anything more to add to that no that good. just do it just do it
1: oh. we'd, we'd love to hear about your goals for 2023 absolutely tell us what your 2023 goals are what are you going after what are your a races
0: and so, send questions yeah send questions we like that quick q a last time so that was yeah. a any fun.
1: specific questions about specific events or if you're changing from uh road events to trail events or you're thinking about taking the step up from um, marathons to ultras. We'd love to know what you've done before and what you're going after. Like, Absolutely. You, you heard Dean last week. His journey from 42Ks to 50Ks was massively tough and now look at where he is. Yeah. Killing
0: 100K events. What a freak. Mm. Awesome, awesome progression mm. there. So yeah, uh, I'm going to try to post on the Breaking the Barrier podcast in, in uh, Instagram a little bit more often. Absolutely, at least every time we have a guest. Mm-hmm. I'll. But uh, I do check it so you can message it. You can message Melbourne Superman. You can message uh, whatever. Uh, Breaking the Barrier podcast Podcast. Podcast. You know, I was just thinking, uh, don't don't Gmail it, because I can't remember if I still have the Gmail account, but everything else. Uh, Make sure you get on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Five stars. We're awesome. We deserve it. Mm. And uh, more five-star reviews we get, you know, better off you'll be, because more people will reach our uh, algorithm. And I don't know how that benefits you, but it benefits me and Zach, and that's all that matters.
1: Yeah. Well, if we get better algorithm, then we get more chance of getting better guests, which means it's more interesting podcasts, which, you know... Eventually, someone will pay us to do this. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah,
0: no. I don't. Mm. I'm gonna. We're gonna be millionaires. I had to change that because I was gonna steal all the credit. <laughs> I'm gonna be. Anyway, now I'm really off on a tangent, so I think uh, it's best to. Do we have anything else we want to?
1: No, nothing else to plug. No. no. All right. We'll
0: see you next week. We're doing it weekly now. Indeed, doing... I know we're on a roll. I know. You know, we're on a. We uh, were talking about banking podcasts. I know it was weird, and I was <laughs> like, "That we're not there yet." We can't
1: bank a podcast. That's ridiculous. Yet. Yet. No.
0: Um, but yeah, so that's uh that's what we got today so make sure that you check out your racing schedules plan accordingly and go after you know go after something figure out an a race figure out two but make sure that you really decide whether you can financially do it or emotionally do it just commit commit get out there and we hope to see you out there on the roads the trails and the treadmills going above and beyond what you ever thought possible thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time